Podcast. So we've got another episode of Gang Grow Retain. I've got uh, Andy Burden and Steve Budd from a, a company called Substripe, and you guys are based out of the UK. Um, and I won't be able to do it justice, but uh, maybe Andy, give us the give us the synopsis on um, what you guys do and what you guys focus on, and, and how you guys got here today. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jeff. Um, so what we do is we put um, uh, the customer right bang in the centre of looking at our clients' companies and saying, this is what I like, this is what I need, this is why I need it, this is how much I'm willing to pay for it, this is what I need it to do over time, so you stick with me, I'm willing to be a good customer if you can do X, Y, and Z. And we play that back to teams, so that's the cross-functional teams, so that we've got a balance of um, what's the right pricing, what's the right product, so we do cool things like design sprints and involve teams along there. And uh, also, you know, what is the outcome that those customers are looking for by persona, by cohort, and basically align organizations around that. So they feel really pumped, energized, confident to work together to really push that success for their, for their customer. And the reason we do that is that Steve and I have been working in B2B subscriptions since um, early 2000s. And we've seen the good, bad and ugly of customers being kept at arm's length, teams fighting over essentially commission if, or bonuses, if we're being honest about it, or P&Ls. And we've also seen the flip side of that. Our um, point of being really galvanized around it was serving um, global procurement. And procurement are um, fairly um, selective and fairly particular about who they choose to do business with. And they don't have their own budget. So they also have to then prove their own case to buy something from people like us. And that really taught us how to... Um, really give a sense of belonging to a function and push things forward as an entire company to make things better for the procurement function, which I think is the, you know, the toughest gig in, in the world, probably. Steve and I um, looked at each other, uh, other over various cups of coffee and probably beers and <laughs> various things and just going, you know what, why are we doing this for just one company? Why, why can't we go off and help our peers because there's nothing in the market for people like us to um, come together, figure things out, and do better things for customers because we feel really passionately about it. Yeah, it's, it, I love the procurement angle there. We've uh, worked with a, a few procurement teams for uh, some global organizations here in the, the recent days. And uh, you know, we're, we're certainly on the smaller end of the spectrum in terms of just a, a little consulting shop and, and trying to get some work done. And, and uh, I can tell you just what they have to go through on a daily basis, I can't imagine you know, what, they, what they have to deal with in terms of just trying to get uh, well, probably the sheer amount of requests internally of like things that need to get approved, vendors that we need, the process that we have to go through, what technology we're using. Uh, so I can imagine that's very chaotic. Uh, but Steve, let me kick it over yeah. to you for a second and, and think about, um, you know, I know you mentioned, or Andy mentioned kind of in that intro that there's a component of what you guys think about in terms of um, the intersection of pricing and value and, and kind of the product and how, you, how we're trying to keep customers for a long time. So um, how have you guys thought about pricing to value or like how do you guys go into some of those engagements and really try and help customers think about um, kind of the sense of value that a client or a customer of theirs is getting um, compared compared to the actual dollars that they're giving us yeah so uh, you, you know we, we're not coming into uh, we didn't start this business as pricing experts um, but we realized how important pricing was um, and we had um, you know a number of years under our belt uh, in leadership positions where Either we were trying to uh, work out what the pricing was, or we were told what it was, and and what lacked really was the confidence to go to market, um, because we weren't convinced that the, the price was right for the customer. And if we weren't convinced, then the customer wasn't wasn't convinced. 
So when we uh, when we started the business, we realised that that was a key component of what we were doing, and and because we, the research we did is that that's that's what we were hearing back from the market. There was a real lack of confidence and money being left on the table uh, a lot of the time. So what we were looking to do is is, is see how could we quickly um, understand the, um, the the environment that that our clients are in um, with their particular vertical, the particular particular market that they uh, they have, and um, and, and how can we talk to their customers and speak to their customers and understand, well, what are they valuing within their product set, within the features that they currently provide? Because they're probably not valuing the 100 features that they provided. They're probably valuing maybe 10 of those features. And you can bet those 10 features aren't really, um, aren't being utilized enough within the, uh, uh, within the, the people, the customer success teams that are actually helping them get the most out of the, out of the product. And so if we're able to pinpoint where the customer's most you know, value uh, the service that they provide. If we're able to understand what it is that they would pay for those particular parts of the service, then yes, you can carry on with your 100 features, but let's just look at the 10 that they, they really value and let's really understand um, what they would pay for that. And once we understand that better, we can then work with the team about how they then translate that to, to, uh, to their customers over time. So they might decide that actually it's a step change and we need to restructure or repackage um, the product it might be slightly different positioning as well um, or it might just be that um, they might just ha have a better way of, of um, um, recognizing that the product they have and being far more confident of going to, to market with that and we saw that at uh, the business that we worked in Andy and I worked in once we had that confidence it was a lot easier to uh, to motivate the sales team say why it's um, uh, be clear that this is from the customer. This is what they've said about the uh, um, the products, the things they value, and the price they're willing to pay. Be confident in 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 the price that you're you're charging them. And so that's that's I'll probably said confidence a few times there, but that's I think, the essential <laughs> ingredient. And if we can provide that confidence to the the team, our clients' team, they are going to see results. And we've seen it. We've seen those results. You know, they're they're doubling the price point in some cases because of the confidence they have in product they're selling and the value that their customers are getting out of it. Yeah, that's confidence is huge though, right? I mean, I love the point you made at the beginning of saying how, if you don't feel confident about it, how are you gonna convince a customer to feel good about it, right? Like there's, I mean, we all are in this human business where you have to go and be able to show that we've got confidence and that we have, you know, we think our product is great and what we're doing and we think, that, you know, there's gonna be value there. Um, the other point that I think is really interesting as I think about how it dovetails into um, a little bit of what we do and, and what our leaders focus on is around how can you take, just like you mentioned, kind of the 10 core key value actions or the, the features or whatever those might be that the customer really values and think about how we build that right into that onboarding journey or into that experience right as we get the customer signed uh, and start thinking about the personas of, of people um, and how you start applying that, you know, and, and how you say, hey, um, Steve, I know you, you know, we just, you just purchased and, and here's here's the outline of how we're going to come, you know, through this onboarding phase um, with us. And, you know, here's why we're going to focus on some of these areas that really probably helps drive confidence back into kind of that onboarding implementation team um, to really have, again, I'll, I'll say confidence, but confidence to talk to the customer and say, this is, we know what you need because this is, you know, we've seen this a number of times, like we, we are the experts in what we do. And if you can follow this, then you're going to be set up for um, success much better and much earlier on, we're going to have a lot you know, quicker time to value for you. Um, so I think about it from that angle as well. Yeah, I think that um, you know we'd recommend that you you run you run the uh, Van Westendorp method, for example, and 
and ask those questions of your customers of what they're willing to pay for, for certain aspects of what you offer. But the real value that we get out of it is the, the, the qualitative conversations that we have. So it's, 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 that's giving you the detail, the understanding of, of really what it is that you're providing and, and why, why it's worth that amount of money. That's what's really, really important. And you don't get that necessarily out of asking questions in surveys. Yeah, and to your to your point, Jeff, you can then use that. So when when we had our own customer success teams within the procurement membership, I mentioned, if you're able to say confidently, look, you're the CPO, you're the chief procurement officer, and these are the three things you're going to get from this service, and these are the three things that your um, second command is, and these are the three things that your regional directors are going to get there. Just being able to strip that down and say why, and say other people in our membership or other subscribers get that value and this is what they're telling us when you start talking about that um, at the start during those first probably 20 minutes 30 minutes you've got when you're talking to the senior team then you can start buying into that need for things like the executive business review how your team are going to structure things to really help to achieve those those outcomes and i, I you know standout quote for me from the procurement um, professionals that we worked with were things like you guys are the experts in your service. You tell me what I should be using. And if you're going in blind there saying, I don't know, Chief, Chief Procurement Officer, I think you should be using the website a lot. When actually the, the, the conversations that can be had say, I'm going to go nowhere near this website. That's not for me. I'm going to go to a really cool retreat for my peers. That's why I'm buying into this. And I want you to roll your sleeves up and help my team to execute on my vision. That's the kind of stuff that they want to find out. That's why they're staying at till two or three in the morning drinking cognac and having conversations with you as their, their provider, you know, because they want that sort of confidence that you know your game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, what, what's also interesting, and I love the way you guys are thinking about this, and would love to kind of dive a little bit further in, into is the, the idea, and I think you just mentioned this, Steve, about, you know, we need to get deeper than the surveys. Um, Jay, my business partner, and I have a, we're kind of on a, a mini, mini rant recently just about how everybody thinks about how we need to make everything scalable and um, everything scalable means we need surveys, we need technology, we need automation. And so we're kind of on this, we actually need to think about how to do things that are unscalable. Um, we, we need to be driving human connection more than ever, especially right now, because we're, we're all craving it. We're all at home. We're all, you know, working. This is basically my, my work day sitting in front of this computer and this camera all day. Uh, I don't get a lot of human, you know, physical human interaction. Um, so I'm curious, Steve, from your standpoint too, like, have you guys figured out, I don't know if there's one or two questions that you feel like are really kind of game changers that, you know, we should be asking in the, the sales cycle or for onboarding and customer success teams. Are there any um, really good open-ended questions that you guys have come across in your careers that can kind of help open the door a little bit to just building, um, you know, that much better of a relationship or understanding, you know, that customer's needs a little bit better. Um, I don't know if there's anything come to mind I'm putting you on the spot right now, but does anything come to mind just in terms of, of some open-ended questions that our, our, our audience could get some value out of? Well, I'll give you one and then I'll pass the, pass the ball over to, to Andy to, to give you another. But um, one we actually we ask within our, um, our interviews with our, with our clients, customers, right at the top is what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And, um, uh, you know, professionally. Um, and, uh, and it's really interesting, the answers that you get, because you, you, by doing that, you're, you know, a lot of the question is what keeps you up at night, but actually what gets you excited rather than what keeps you up at night? What, what, what are you passionate about? Why are you, why are you going to work? Why are you doing the job that you do? 
And if you can start to get under underneath that and, and understand what that is, then you can start to understand the frustrations perhaps that are coming out of why they're not able to, to perhaps feel that, feel that, uh, that joy um, by the end of the day, perhaps, um, and why they're maybe uh, not, not uh, able to, to sleep. But um, that, that's a, a bit of a twist on, on, on a question and, and can just be a bit unexpected um, often. And, and people quite like it. It can be uplifting to, to hear that. And it really opens them up to a lot of other questions you might ask ask after that. Yeah, um, we're, we're um, really big on questions right now. We just had a, a gentleman on our podcast who was a former CMO. His name's Bob London. Um, and we got really good reviews because he gave us like three or four tangible questions to ask. Uh, like some of his were, uh, as you leave uh, an executive business review, you know, afterwards, maybe call up your key contact and just kind of a casual conversation and say, hey, what did you guys talk about when I left the room? Um, you know, it's a it's a, it's a good, and I love the way you just put that, Steve, too. It's kind of, it catches people off guard a little bit where um, it's not your standard, hey, how do you think that meeting went? Or, hey, you know, did your boss like that meeting? Or, you know, it's it kind of, in a good way, I think it just keeps somebody off balance and it makes them think a little bit before they can just give you a kind of a nonchalant answer. <clears throat> and I think you get a little bit more of an authentic answer. Um, so I love that. And I like that question, too. Like you said, it kind of puts a positive spin on sometimes a negative question if you ask it in the reverse order, right? Like, you know, what keeps you up at night? then I'm thinking about oh, all these stressors on my life and, uh, you know, it becomes a little bit more anxiety of a question, but you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning, man, I'm excited. You know, I love, love that kind of positive spin. Uh, Andy, what do you got? Yeah, a couple probably. Um, part, part of our, we're, we're with you on, on the scale thing. Anti-scale is what we've talked about when we're building it up. We're like, okay, we're going to talk to people's customers and it's going to be 40 to 60 minute conversations absent of uh, an agenda which is you know steve and i aren't working within that that client organization i'm longer in sales i don't have commission to try and earn i don't have a PL to protect i'm not trying to protect a job i'm just trying to get to the to the heart of what matters to to a customer and we've talked to b2b um customers across you know various seniorities all the way from board member and c-suite through to end users like analysts and across different markets like um private equity healthcare legal uh, you know, I won't, I won't go through everything, but we talked to hundreds of people. This is anti-scale stuff. And so there's probably a couple of open-ended questions that, that to me, stand out. Um, one is, and, you, you know, you, you try your hardest to make sure it's not an interrogation, right? But um, if you're able to ask this question, okay, so what are you setting out to achieve? All the usual stuff that you're trying to, to get their aspirations for their company, for their team, for them, the individual. If you can just ask, okay, so why haven't you been able to fix that already? That is so powerful. And then just shut up, you know, just listen. <laughs> you know, just that, that has been um, a goldmine. Um, and then probably one from, this is old school now, I guess, but it was just the ability to have the confidence to ask why, once you've set the scene, once, once it doesn't feel like um, it's an interrogation. Okay, so if you hear something that feels intriguing, okay, talk to me, why is that? Why is the best open-ended question? Because if it's the ability to keep asking, because most people will give you, if you ask me why about anything now, I'm going to give you a stock response. It's here, it's kind of scripted. Okay, well, I'm not quite sure I understood exactly what you mean there. Why is that? And you go probably three, four levels deep. At some point, they start having to retrieve what actually matters to them. And you start getting into stuff that makes them feel slightly possibly uncomfortable because they're sharing with you and if you can get to that position where people are genuinely sharing what's not at the front of their mind what's actually deep in their heart then you can start really engaging with people 
trouble is most people have got an eye on the clock they're thinking how do i get this signed how do i get onto my next call right so it's it's easy to say it's hard to do yeah yeah no but it's i mean i think as you guys uh, keep alluding to right that that's how you build authentic relationships and engagement in customers that are actually going to give you what you're looking for over time and which is you know honest feedback which is uh, openness and you know they're going to they're going to tell you about their business goals in hopes that you're going to show you show them how you align to those and how you're going to you know follow the same course um, and i love the idea of asking the why and and um trying to figure out some of the some of the kind of smaller questions that you can insert um, and it's really I have a very hard time doing this. Um, I've had to practice a lot, but I think it's really hard, especially when you think about some um, customer success managers or just client facing positions, account managers, whatever you want to think about. It's really hard sometimes to let there be dead air and to ask a question that you have to wait for somebody else to think because that dead air is uncomfortable. But to your point, like if you can let it go and you don't uh, lead them or you don't, you're not really giving them the answer, um, then you're going to get a lot of good stuff. And then the, the last point I'll, I'll make on this too is, we've seen such a resounding effect on customer success teams kind of getting a seat at the table internally. So if you can go talk to your customers in this way, if you can, if you already have great relationships, you can kind of get some of these answers, man, how great is it to kind of come back internally to the organization and say, Hey, you know, I, I went and talked to 10 customers and asked them what the, what gets them out of bed in the morning? What problems are they solving? What, you know, what really do they like to do with their company? And, you know, here are six things that they, that were common themes. And you know our product already serves some of these. So like, how can we better align our messaging to that, or how can how can we speak to it better? Like, if you can bring those insights back in, like you're closest to the customer, and so that's so valuable to your organization. Yeah, the um, you know often we get teams coming together that have never been together or haven't been together for for some time talking about the customer, and so when we come back in and give them these these insights, we're empowering them. We're well, we're aligning them and empowering them around what what the customer's thinking and, and what their needs are. And then they can. And then what we provide is the is the uh, the framework for them to work together on how they then they're going to they're going to apply that learning, and that's that's really powerful. And and it's great to see the the, the team talking around around that. And um, you know from perhaps that first meeting we had where it's all a bit awkward and they've you know they're looking at their clock to to suddenly being really really engaged near the end of the uh, of the of the project with them because because it's not us telling them it's not each other's opinion it's actually what directly what the customers uh, are saying and it's just about then they've got to they've got to apply that they've got to apply that that uh, response and feedback they're hearing yeah or as andy said you know you're drinking cognac with them you know at 2 a.m like that's even better right <laughs> yeah. um well how, how do you guys think then too like um, i think one of the things that is that we see a lot in terms of customer success teams is um maybe the struggle to kind of talk about pricing in a comfortable way talk about kind of value the value that a customer is getting right i think it's really easy for us to maybe talk about the outcomes they want to achieve like Hey, our, our product is going to help you go reduce inventory costs. It's going to help you go, you know, achieve greater revenue. Like we can, to me, I think those are kind of easy things, but when, you know, we have a customer who's starting to talk to us about maybe a renewal that's upcoming or kind of, uh, you know, is the pricing really fair to the value that I'm receiving? Um, have you guys kind of picked up anything along the way that would be, um, I don't know, beneficial to have maybe help people get more confidence in talking about kind of price to value. And um, especially when you think about maybe a customer success facing role or customer success manager. Yeah, so if I think back to um, you know the previous previous role within that procurement membership, again you 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 galvanised right. But I had a team of um, people who were sometimes first jobbers. We were uh, giving them the target, right? So I know that's a whole rabbit hole that we could go down. But they had responsibility for the target. 
So Steve and I were working on the right kind of um, product to, to really land why people should be seeing value in this and giving them the competitive landscape. So in this instance, it was a diagnostic tool that would say, you guys are here, we're going to get you to your next best position. And this is far, far more cost effective and without any agenda. Um, whereas if you went to a consulting company, I could name a bunch, but you know we don't need to, right? There's going to cost a lot of money for some, some way down the, the track. So it's about being able to position the, 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 the value properly from the get-go. It has to be across the, the company. It can't be one team or one person saying that. And you certainly can't have the acquisitions team saying something different, which can happen as well, right? So it has to be in concert. If I think about the impact of not getting it right for a customer success leader and, and, and their team, deep discounts lead to massive churn. You know, it's proven through profit. Well, we don't need to explore too, too deeply. But the deep discounts are um, a, a factor in both acquiring customers. So it's set up from the beginning and you, you're basically trying to put out fires right from the get-go. But it's also about that, that confidence. And if I strip this back... Um, you know, if you don't have the confidence, you do what salespeople will do in that position, which is to spray features. And it's very easy to commoditize those features and go, yeah, I'm not getting value there, not getting value there. So that's about a third of the package, right, that I actually need. So it's about a third of the price. And then you're, you're in an awful situation. The other, I guess, um, look, I've, I've been seeing the, 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 the evolution of customer success, um, you know, customer service, essentially fulfillment operations, all the way through to account management. And then this, you know, basically better operational thing that, that is truly transformative, right? But the dirty little secret is that actually the amount of money that's often given to customer success is smaller than acquisitions. And what tends to happen internally is that you've got people on the commercial side, the commercial side saying, Hey, this, this person's really friendly, seems quite savvy. They'll probably be great for customer success, but not right for acquisitions. That's not, you know, that has to be challenged at the deepest level because, you know, it's not, it's not for the, the nice people. Customer success is about people who can actively listen and help people to achieve things and coordinate across an entire company, both internally and externally. These are not nice people. These are really intelligent, curious people. So you have to model in for that as well to, to get the right kind of people who can land it. But finally, one of the things that we, we got down to a pat really well with this previous company was by designing it with a procurement person was a bunch of negotiation levers to say, you're going to be going in prepared to be able to give and take. You're not going to give anything unless you're taking something. You have to be prepared for this. And so that has to be deeply bedded into the entire organization. So we had sign off from the product owners, sign off from the CFO, sign off from the CEO to, to be able to use and deploy these levers. And that takes time, but it's time well worth it because you're then, as the customer success person, knowing that you've got the power and the authority to use these levers. And that's so important. I, I think quite often customer success people are left out in the dark and they're beaten up about their retention rates, which are telling you what happened six to 12 months ago. And they're then kind of flick-flacking between solutions and then finding themselves deeply uncomfortable because generally speaking, that's not understood within companies. So it's about that forward looking thing and having the confidence to land that and having the confidence to say to people, well, your renewal rates suck there and go, yeah, and guess what? We did this and that's why we're better. And our leading indicators are telling us we're on the right path now, but it is more that it's a full court press across an entire company. And if you don't have that, you need to change it. We need to get to a new company. 
Okay. Just like I <laughs> yeah, I just wrote that down. Uh, I love that. The well, and I think we talk about that a lot, which is the. I, I think we a lot of times are shocked at maybe two things, and I'm curious if you guys see these as well. But when we walk into B2B organizations, the two things that I would say I'm most shocked at is one. Generally speaking, a lot of times the people in the organization don't even understand how a subscription business works. Like they don't understand how bookings turns to revenue, turns to cash, and like how that whole you know, so essentially they don't understand like why retention is important and kind of the customer acquisition cost and the, you know, it takes us 18 months really to even become profitable potentially on a customer if you look at some of the, the normal rates. And so to me, that's really shocking. It's like you joined a, a subscription business and, you know, that's fine. Maybe that you didn't know that going in the door, but I would hope that the company is helping educate you on like the business model and why it's important. Um, so I think that's maybe shock number one. And then shock number two is that um, we often find if, if we're asking customer success teams to handle some commercial responsibility, whether that's just a renewal or whether it's, you know, upsell and cross-sell, um, that they don't understand that they do have levers and levers of a contract that, you know, really give you the ability to give and take. And, and just the having the, the kind of the wherewithal of like, you know, there is gonna be a give and take, you know, generally speaking, uh, you know, some portion are just gonna say yes to the renewal and move on. But by and large, a lot of them are going to come back and, and look for things that they can give and take on. And so um, I love the idea, though, and what I wrote down is having that, making sure that as a customer success le leader, that you've already got that worked out and that you can actually um, drive that down into your team to say, hey, you should have the confidence because like I've already I've already gotten this this level of um, give and take approved from our finance leader, from our product leader, right? Like everyone's on the same page. Um, and I think that's such a crucial, crucial step that we don't see taken very often. Yeah, so shock number one, we, we find that, you know, it, it, it is, so we've certainly lived through it. Um, you know, it's very different to have in-year in revenues and be accountable for those and setting goals versus stuff that's going to translate over years. You know, some people just can't kind of change their DNA almost. To, for instance, if you're putting on events, and it's the cookie cutter and the profit margins and stuff. That's hard to, 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 to make that shift. Um, and you need a really savvy kind of cfo that's able to report through maybe these days you, you just need to plug into stuff like profit wells free metrics right but you need to to go through the zawara type um you know swallow the fish and under, understand that that's going to take time because else you're going to beat the hell out of your your, your essentially your customer success leaders and um yeah you're going to lose good talent um so it has to have that really good support the other thing is that you know it's the motivation, isn't it? Some people are doing this for the exit and the valuation. Customer lifetime value to them means my EBIT times, whatever. Um, screw the customers. Um, and if that translates through, the customers will wise up to it at some point. But also, you know, it's then hard to bet in a really genuine, authentic service for, for your customers. Yeah, I, lo I love that scenario that you just gave the, you know, the valuation changes, right? We see that uh, a lot with the companies that we work with. Um, well, this is awesome. I know we've got a couple minutes left. And um, so I always like to end maybe with a, a fun question. It's either I begin with a fun question or I end with it. But um, Steve, maybe, you know, Steve, what are you looking forward to this weekend uh, now that we're recording this on a Friday? Well, um, being in the, uh, the UK and, uh, and not a scouser, um, which uh, is what you call Liverpudlians, um, I'm going to be enjoying once again Liverpool basking in the glory of winning the Premier League. So, uh, I'll be toasting a beer or two to that. I like it. What's the beer of choice on uh, going to be on Sunday? It's a good question. I'd like to say that there's a there's a Liverpool.
Liverpool beer I can drink, but it's probably Spanish or, or American. Um, we'll have to see. I'll, I'll make a decision. I like probably, it. All right. It's sangria. Who knows? <laughs> and Andy, how about you? What are you looking forward to this weekend? Well, look, we, we need to settle this, right? So you, you support Man U. I support Leicester. <laughs> it's a vital match on Sunday. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to exchanging messages with you after that. Um, my beer of choice, I, I subscribe to Beer 52, which is this beer subscription service. Um, oh, that's cool. And, uh, it, they just send through some amazing beers. There's, there's a good Dutch selection this time. So I'm going Dutch. Oh, I like it. Is it. Do they send you one beer at a time or is it like a six pack or how's that work? It's, uh, it's 12 and you can. They're really good with the hooks and triggers. So the, the hook was, it was free for the first one. I'm going, wow, this is great. And the trigger is add two more to the crate because they're good beers. Yeah, <laughs> I could do that. I like it. And especially because uh, we can't go to the uh, to the shops that easily and get get beers. It's brilliant. It comes to yeah. Man, How, that's, what do you think? So, uh, so my wife and I are actually so um, in Charleston. They've got a there's a, a nice hotel around here, and so since they have some low occupancy, they are giving discounts to locals. And so um, my wife and I are just going to go have a little staycation in a hotel room just to get a, a different different scenery for the night. Yeah. So we're going to go um, have a nice meal at a restaurant, uh, which we haven't done in a long time. And we're wow. going to go stay in a hotel room, which we haven't done in a long time and just get a day out of our house, which um, I think we're both looking forward to, uh, to doing that for, for tonight. So uh, that'll, that'll be my fun the weekend. Supporting local businesses as well. That's really important. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it was a great idea by there. I mean, obviously they're trying to fill some occupancy and mm -hmm. um, you know, they're obviously they're sending us emails about how uh, clean and safe they're trying to make it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're, we feel good about it and we're, we're taking a small risk and, you know, we'll, we'll wear, wear our masks when we need yeah. to and everything, but we're, uh, yeah, we're looking to get a little bit of normalcy out of it. So uh, it'll be nice. Uh, but this was great. great. I appreciate you guys joining. Um, right before we sign off, maybe give, uh, give the people, where can they go find you? Um, how can we, how can they get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more? Uh, maybe just give us a quick sign off and then we'll, we'll let you guys go. Yeah. So, um, well, we're pretty active on, on the social networks, particularly LinkedIn, but if you hop over to subscribe.co um, and just leave us your, your name details, um, we'll add it to the list. We're always doing, well, not quite podcasts, but we're, we're really active in getting uh, webinars, discussion groups, roundtables, that sort of stuff, talking all the things that you, we've been talking about in the last half an hour. So it'd be great to, uh, to, to see some of your community uh, pop over and see what we're all about. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to come participate as well. So, um, all right, cool. Steve, Andy, yeah. thanks so much. We'll uh, be talking to you on Sunday as we see who uh, takes the match. <laughs> Excellent. Keep well. Thanks, Jeff. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.